Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights. Are you ready to be inspired? Has this year brought some new adversity or challenges, either in your professional or personal life, either in your life, in your team members' lives? I think we can all relate to this. This has been an unprecedented time, a lot of stress, a lot of unknowns, a very dynamic situation. But the one thing that I think we can all relate to also is that attitude is everything. How we handle the unexpected road bumps, the headwinds, whatever you want to call it, those things that we're not planning on that could actually unlock the door to new opportunities. That really defines us, our attitude and how we handle that. And this is something we're going to dive in and explore today with my guest, Allison Canigliaro Hubbard. Now, Allison can really relate to this. She has an incredibly impressive professional background as a former technology executive at global companies, including Cisco and Riverbed Technology. She has really seen the world with straight up honesty, and she's got the spirit of a Brooklyn native combined with a California wellness cool. But she's got a global perspective. She's lived in multiple places around the world. So it is this broad global view. And she's known to have a style that is a little fiery and has a little bit of edginess. So we're going to get into that a little bit today. But Allison is also the founder of The Lens Leadership, providing leadership coaching and consulting services to organizations, executives, and individuals that are looking to step up to a bigger game. Allison is a coach who sees strengths in the folks that she works with, she's helping each player leverage their own personal magic to maximize their success. So with her 26 years of corporate sales and product marketing leadership experience, she's worked in large and mid-sized enterprises. She's worked in startups. She's worked in emerging technology areas. Allison has seen it all. She's obsessively customer-focused and has driven and experienced business growth from a wide range of perspectives, which is perfect for the conversation we're going to have today. So with that as a backdrop, Allison, welcome to Market Impact Insights. (laughs) Dan, you covered that so nicely. I don't think I have anything else to say. See you later. Oh, come back. Come back. We need to... (laughs) That was was a great intro. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now... You know, we talked in that intro about this career, this very successful career you had in technology. And I I love just going back to the very beginning and really understand what drove your motivation to pursue a career in tech. (laughs) Well, that's a good question. Um, You know, I don't know if this is going to be the story that you would hope for. It was quite accidental Um, out of school. I in in Miami. I moved to Hollywood as an actor with stars in my eyes, <laughs> and I had some roles and I had some really interesting odd jobs. Like I was, I mean, 
maybe you were on one of my tours in the back lot of Universal Studios at one point. Um, but I was in my early 20s and this was before social media was even a dream in anybody's imagination. So I'm aging myself. Um, there was a good amount of pressure from my family to get a real job, get a real job. And I was an insecure kid. Uh, both of my parents were connected to tech in one way or another. And my mom had a really, really good network. Um, I decided at one point after a very specific, very shallow conversation that I had with somebody that I needed to move on from Los Angeles um, at the time. And so I had a chance to go to Dallas to work for what would ultimately become a very, very early instantiation of web TV or come to Northern California to work for Carol Bartz at Autodesk. And being as I am a lifer New York Giants fan, and I personally need to be close to the ocean, um, Dallas was not going to win that one. So Autodesk in Northern California, here I came. Um, I became a just fiery, as you said, go-getter sales and marketing manager for one of the software groups at Autodesk. And ironically, the head of that division that I worked for, Blair, Blair LaCourt, once told me that he thought I would run a, my own small company at one point. And I got to be honest with you, I've pocketed that comment for 25 years um, while I've been working and learning so many amazing lessons in global tech companies. So it's interesting to think back at just all of the topics and the lessons I've learned while I've been at companies like you mentioned at Brocade, at Cisco, at Riverbed. I even did a startup that we sold to um, the Azure team at Microsoft. Wow. You know, as you were telling that story, so I have a follow-up question, Allison. I need to ask you this because I, I've known a decent amount of um, actors, folks that have pursued mm -hmm. that. My sister pursued that. Are there some skills, some discipline that you took from that acting background that actually, interestingly enough, you've seen play out in your successful business career? That's, that's really funny that you should ask that. Um, I've learned so many lessons along the way, but I'm going to speak to one in particular that really continues to follow me. And I think it's super important, particularly these days. I have to go back to my acting days. Um, and, you know, also another job that I had before tech when I was in Los Angeles you know, in LA, I was an enrollment manager for an organization that offered really intense leadership programs. Um, and I think it was there that I truly learned what it meant to be a great seller. And like an actor memorizing lines and connecting with audiences, I needed to know my product and in that company inside out. And then I could just let go and be just real with my customer, with my audience, with the person that I was enrolling at the time and focus on listening with this curiosity to what they cared about. It always proved true that when I cared more about understanding my customer than hitting a quota or a number, the numbers were going to come. And this is something that really started way back when I was acting and connecting with audiences or when I was in this enrollment role for this company doing leadership programs. And the thing is, this theme has truly followed me everywhere I've gone in my tech career, both in sales and product marketing roles. And I haven't always been perfect at it. And I remember the times very clearly, the ones that I've failed at. 
but have become known for, as you said earlier, being obsessively customer focused. And whether my customer yeah. is an end user, a partner, a team member, a whole audience or a seller, it's become a strength and it's helped me to grow outstanding, long lasting relationships with people, customers, partners over decades. And some of the stories that I can tell you, I mean, Luther at T. Rowe Price, Maddie from Apple, the happy birthday song I got from a Brazilian VC <laughs> that I did one time, um, the friendship that I developed with the Brigadier General of the Dubai Police Department after having been told how difficult it was going to be as a woman to build that bridge. Just so many more amazing people. And so the lesson, just to kind of close out the question, Dan, the, the important lesson is this one. Never underestimate the power of the soft skills. Too often I have seen business leaders prioritizing the need to get to the hard metrics and deprioritizing the ways that we can practice caring and caring for employees or customers or partners. Or I promise you, if you put caring first, the numbers are going to come. They are going to come. I have absolutely lived and breathed that time and time again. Yeah, the people aspect, right? It's there it, and it's real. Mm -hmm. And we can focus on the numbers. We can focus on process. But it's the human experience. And that certainly comes into play in sales as it does in marketing. So that makes a lot of sense. And Allison, so you made this transition from acting uh, more over to the business world. But then the other transition that you've made is you had this successful rise within a corporate environment up to executive levels. And, and now you're taking a more entrepreneurial path as, mm -hmm. and as a leadership coach and an author. Are there some learnings though from the experience in reaching those executive levels in those bigger global companies. We mentioned Cisco Riverbed, there's others. Are there some also some learnings from those experiences that you see really benefiting you now as this leader of your own company? Well, I mean, I think that it, again, it really comes back to caring enough to build relationships and nurture relationships along the way and understanding that, you know, all we, every single one of us, all we want to do is succeed and be happy and get ahead. Um, but the reality is, you know, if we want to go far, we need to focus outward. We need to care enough to, um, to spend the time listening to understand the people around us. And we need to look at every single person that we meet in, in business and in life as someone who has an amazing history, an amazing background, and a lot of stuff we don't know that we can learn from and take and build into our networks that we use in, in our work. Yeah, it's really cherishing each of those interactions, isn't it? because each one has its own unique value and, and what it could trigger in terms of opportunities. Yeah, it, it truly does. And I mean, I can honestly say that one of the most valuable things to me that I've accumulated over the years in companies and in any, all my walks of life is I have friends that I have nurtured for a lifetime, friends starting, you know, from when I was two years old 
through every single walk of life and every single path that I can call on and that I do call on um, as part of my network. And I know for many of us, oftentimes major course changes mm-hmm. in our lives end up being driven really by a single mm-hmm. event, one very personal moment. Can you share a little bit about your experience there? <laughs> Well, I've had a couple in the last six years, but one in particular, and of course, I just came back from uh, this morning before chatting with you, I just came back from the oncologist's office for a checkup because last December on this date um, or around this date last year, I was completely taken by surprise. I was going about my life ready to plan sales kickoff for the next year. And I was diagnosed with stage three endometrial cancer. (laughs) And, you know, my entire life changed. My entire life changed. And here we are going through COVID. And all of a sudden, I have cancer that's gone into lymph nodes and doctors saying that I needed to go into aggressive treatment, which included Uh 25 radiation sessions and then hardcore chemotherapy. And, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you that as a woman and as somebody and a lot of people that know me out there know I have long hair. Um, It's really hard to be told that stuff for uh, so many reasons. But a lot of women, and you're going to think this is petty if you've never been through it, say, oh, my God, I'm going to be bald. Oh, my God, I'm going to be bald. Um, And so it it was just... it's a daunting thing to hear that you need to go through cancer treatment and with all the grueling things that come with cancer treatment, all of a sudden your identity is going to change. The good news is that I made some amazing choices. And so the lessons that I learned coming out of cancer were my life is about making choices and I can make, you know, clear positive choices or I can make choices that aren't going to work for me. But every moment of my life, I have a choice. And so I made some choices to form teams of experts that were going to help me figure out how to navigate this thing, um, whether from a clinical perspective or from an integrative perspective. And of course, I leveraged my family of experts for a variety of things, too. Yeah. Um, I decided, made choices that I was going to address stress in a certain way because I knew stress was going to be a factor in my recovery. I made choices to keep my brain nimble by going back and doing some really awesome programs on diversity and inclusion and um, an executive women leadership program at Cornell while I was in chemotherapy. Um, I made choices to stay active every single day. And I made choices that I was going to save my hair. And I, you know, a lot of people don't know what um, this process is, but I went through an interesting process that kind of culminated yesterday um, called cold capping, where I, um, I iced my head with dry ice for 11 and a half hours on chemotherapy days. And there was an insane amount of discipline that happened in between that actually culminated with my six months post chemo hair appointment yesterday. And um, I'm happy to say that I actually saved my hair through chemotherapy um, by cold capping and being super disciplined and making a lot of really clean, healthy choices. Yeah. And 
Wow. And, you know, having lost a family member myself this past year to cancer, first of all, uh, it, great to hear that uh, the news that you're sharing here and, and, and as a result of the choices and, and you're taking one day at a time. And I think back to the choice that you made, which was at that moment of receiving what for many could have been devastating news, the choice of I'm going to take the next step forward. I'm not going to retreat and, and submit. But instead, I'm going to do everything in my power, right? To take as much control, much control back into your own hands, right? It's totally true. It was a huge lesson early on, early on. There, There were things, obviously, I had no control over. I had cancer. I had to go through aggressive treatment. But how I approached that aggressive treatment was going to be the absolute key. And so every single day, I approached it one day at a time. I couldn't control the cancer, but I could control how I addressed it. And I came out thriving. I, I am cancer free now. Um, and I have been. And I, I, in fact, I had some tests done recently on my micronutrients and the dietitian said, I haven't seen anybody with such a great result all year long. So <laughs> it went pretty good. Wow, that is great news. Congratulations. And I know something else that you have a lot of passion for Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. building bridges and demonstrating the power of women. And I'd love to understand how did these passions become so important to you, Allison? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Building bridges. It's it's been on my mind so much. Um, I can tell you that what happened to George Floyd made me think so deeply about some values that I had probably taken for granted over the years. I was I was born in Brooklyn in the early 70s to a Jewish mom and a Catholic dad who was finishing his time in the Air Force Security Service. And we were poor financially when I was a kid, um, but we were so rich in foundation. I was surrounded by so many diverse people at a young age with parents and grandparents who supported people for the quality of their character, not the color of their skin or the religion or their gender or their background or whatever. I was always so proud of that um, foundation. And, and I still have several, like I said, I still have several friends from when I was two, three, four years old. And until the last few years, I just, I really just assumed this, a bit of a righteous stance in the perspective that this is just the way people are supposed to be, period, end of story. But when George Floyd happened, um, when the George Floyd incident happened, I felt like I needed to really take a step back to try to understand were some people who I didn't at all understand as far as their actions might be coming from. And not that I thought certain biases or actions were right, because I don't. Um, I just needed to acknowledge that everyone sees the world through a different lens. Not the one that I came from, but the one that they came from. And that gets reinforced by whatever they're surrounded with. You know, I keep my nursery school pictures, um, my class pictures from Brooklyn on my desk as a reminder 
that every day we have, because they're, they're filled with diversity, those pictures. Yeah. Um, and some, a lot of smiles. <laughs> and I, you know, they're, they're a reminder every day that we have an opportunity to build bridges by making an effort to listen and learn from one another and to find new ways to build appreciation and understanding for people we only think that we understand. And that goes for at work and in life. Yeah, I, I've always thought that pursuing more diversity within anyone's life is really about making that life richer and 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 making it just more successful. I mean, the definition of getting, um, you know, of success, not necessarily material things, but in terms of just, it, it's really um, seeing the world through other people's perspectives and putting yourself in a position where you can do that. And the only way you can do that is to actively pursue being able to um, share those different perspectives, right? And in your case, you yeah, talk about a diverse class, right? Back in kindergarten or in your early grade schools, it could be through the workplace too, right? But it's making those choices to be able to um, be able to appreciate those different perspectives. And, and, and making time to actually try to understand things that maybe we think we understand at the surface, but you know, making time to ask questions and, and really truly hear, hear people. Yeah, well, this has obviously been a crazy year for you, right? Incredibly busy year for you, but it's been a great in year. Your, yeah, in your spare time, you also founded your consultancy, The Lens Leadership, which offers mm -hmm. that coaching and consulting, and you offer motivational speaking services too. And really curious, how did you come up with that name? <laughs> the funny thing is that I had a completely different name for it, and I had already done a brand exercise to come up with a logo and a palette for this other name. And I had committed to myself, and this is something that I've actually purposely done. I had committed to myself that I would not overanalyze what I came up with and, because it made sense. And if I overanalyzed it, it just I, I would talk myself out of it. But I was walking on the trail by my house a few days after making that pledge to myself. And I was on the phone with a friend of mine in Boston. And I remember saying to him something about the lens out of which we view things shapes our outcomes. And just like that, the invisible buzzer goes off in my head and says, Allison, you seem to be saying this an awful lot. The lens is marketable. It's customer focused. And that's the name of the company. And a few minutes later, I was just on the phone with my brand designer and, and I said, nope, stop. Stop the presses. It's the lens leadership. And the leadership part, uh, well... You know, I wanted a .com web address, so I needed to tag something onto the onto the end of the lens to get that done. That's just kind of how those things work sometimes. <laughs> well, you've also added author to your title within the last month with the re release of your new book, Lessons in Life and Leadership. I have my copy right here. I'm holding it right in my hands. And <laughs> Allison, what inspired you to write this book? Because this is a really interesting approach. You you've gathered back to this idea of getting a lot of different diverse lenses, right? Of interviewing and getting a lot of perspectives, but what influenced you to take that interesting approach to the book? And also how was that whole start to finish experience of putting the book together? How's that been for you? Uh, it's been a little surreal, to be honest with you. And I'm going to tell you, this story is just, 
it's pretty, it's even, it's still fascinating to me, honestly. I mean, I was, a, I went to a little class on September 28th of this year. It was like an hour long class just to kind of reset some basics in my mind about offers. As I was building the business, I, I, I'm constantly trying to learn new things and pick up old things and things like that. So I wanted to uh, build something that would be an interesting, low cost offer for clients and prospects and just people in general. And I was out on the trail on the 29th of September. And mind you, I have had this bucket list thing about writing a book. And I was planning about writing a book about about a whole different topic. But I'm on the trail on September 29th. And all of a sudden, I had this bright idea. I've been thinking about my um, my strengths a lot, because every one of us has just some awesome strengths that we can leverage. And one of mine happens to be that I have a great network. I have a great network of, of people and a great network of women. Um, and, and then I obviously have a very strong product marketing background. And it just dawned on me that I could write a book that would help share the amazing lessons in leadership and life that have been learned by so many outstanding women around the world um, that could encourage and motivate other people. And so the day after this walk on the trail, I put out a very specific letter to um, about 75 women Mm -hmm. in my network um, on a global scale. I said, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm looking for uh, three of the most meaningful lessons that you've learned over the years in business and in life that you would want to teach somebody that you were mentoring. And I also was thinking people don't like to read long, drawn out things. So keep each lesson 75 words or less. And I want it back by October 22nd. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So um, we had a major storm here in late September or late October. I had, uh, we had like 27 inches that weekend in Marin County. And I sat down all weekend, taught myself a couple of new applications and laid out this book and um, taught myself how to work with Kindle Publishing. And 33 days later, the book was live on Amazon. Wow. I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons there around will and vision and taking steps forward each day, even though we may not know what it looks like. Um, But it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it's live Lessons in Life and Leadership is is on Amazon in hardcover and uh, paperback and ebook now. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things I really like about this book is the approach of not being super dense in terms of copy. It's a, it's an easy read, right? It's really focused and it's filled throughout. There are meaningful, actionable quotes and principles. Mm-hmm. From your perspective, Allison, what are some of the most significant overarching themes that really jumped out to you as you're bringing all this in? Yeah. Um, One one really, really stood out. And while I was sitting there laying out the book that weekend, it just, I mean, I couldn't help but really be astounded by how many women in different words had something very similar to say about the, the 
the importance of continuing to learn, keep learning. When we find ways to keep learning, we expand our view of the world. We can be more creative. We can find more solutions to big challenges. And kind of related to that, seek to expand boundaries and also lay boundaries down when they can bring value to the greater good. Um, too often we set boundaries and we turn them into these limiting realities for ourselves. Um, we are completely at choice, as I said earlier, about the boundaries that we set. And so in the book, actually, a wise woman who happens to be my mom, Laura Canigliaro, writes about this topic, and I'll read it to you. Uh, she, she writes, think about building a hill of sand grain by grain. For it to grow higher, it has to grow wider too. Those grains of sand or pieces of learning will enable you to come up with new and better insights, more creative solutions, going beyond what you absolutely need to know will make your job and your life richer and more rewarding. Um, and, you know, we expand our boundaries when we learn anything new that wasn't available to us before. So it can really be anything. But sometimes we put ourselves into these positions where we just kind of go through the steps of life, but we don't proactively try to learn something new, stick ourselves in a class, learn something from the person down the hall that we don't know, whatever it may be. Um, we have to be mindful, though, in you know setting boundaries too, when it comes to just the greater good and purpose. I mean, again, we we often get into these rhythms um, with our jobs. We get so caught up in the day to day that we forget that we're human beings with whole lives to live. So we end up, you know, playing life as though we're living to work. And here's a simple example of how I see it. I come from a family that for too many years, and this is just a fact, my mom and dad worked a zillion hours a day and on weekends and either worked on vacation or just didn't join us on vacation. Um, and it wasn't because I mean, we had a really close family, but work became the priority in many, many ways. And, you know, I think it was when I lived in a small town in Italy, in college, that I started to grasp the concept of instead of living to work, working to live. It's, it's such an important cultural value that Italians take vacanza uh, to reinvigorate their souls and their creativity and their joy. And so having observed my parents for years and then observing the Italian culture decades ago, I established this boundary for myself that when I invest in my vacation, for example, I don't bring my laptop. And, you know, vacation for me is an investment that I make in myself to clear my mind of clutter so that I can come back the best that I can be for the people that I work with and whatever work I'm doing. Um, I also set boundaries for my wellness. Um, uh, you know, I've learned good and hard this year and in other ways through other major events in our lives that beyond anything, our greatest wealth is our health. And I do talk about that in one of the lessons I talk about in the book. Without it, guys, we have nothing. 
So making choices and setting boundaries to exercise every day, to eat the way that I do, to deeply breathe when I feel stressed. These are all conscious boundaries that I've set for the greater good in my life and everyone around me. And these are some really strong themes that come out in the book, but there's a lot of great stuff in there. And there's so many ways that individuals and businesses can use this book to collaborate, to ideate, and and to just thrive in general. Yeah. As you were talking about setting boundaries, the other phrase that comes to mind that is used a lot, which is this idea of balance, right? Getting balance Mm -hmm. in your life. And it seems like Allison, something really interesting has been going on here. Like even this year through just the depths of the pandemic, it's like people are making more conscious choices to step back and reevaluating some of the choices and the boundaries they have or have not set. And, you know, we hear about the great resignation, people leaving jobs because they're seeking something better for Mm -hmm. themselves. Maybe they're putting more stock into their family and relationships. And if there's one good thing that could come through all the chaos and uh, all, all the bad aspects of it. But if there's one good thing, if it, this has been the jarring function that's really driving masses of people to start thinking of more about what you were just talking about, then that could be a really good thing. It can be a really good thing. Now, do I think everybody needs to resign from their company? Maybe not. I think everybody needs the space to be able to step back and breathe and find their creativity again. And so that's something for companies to think about as well as for people to really, you know, kind of set some boundaries on because we all need that. And if we just keep, you know, going, 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 and we really lose sight of ourselves and all the other things that make us whole people and also the things that make us great at what we do inside of our companies. So something else that's reinforced many times throughout your book, Mm -hmm. and we referred to it at the open of the podcast is the power of positive thinking. (laughs) And you've been through a lot. You've overcome a lot, Allison. And so as you look to the future, what are those things that continue to make you very optimistic moving forward? Um, well, you know, like I said earlier, something I learned really well and good this year, and it really was a lesson that came early in this process in January of last year, after a conversation I had with an old coach of mine, actually, like I said, there are things in life that we have no control over. Um, instead of over worrying and spending our precious time trying to change the things we can't actually change, why not put our energy and we all have amazing energy, no matter who we are, into the things that we can. And, and better yet, if we don't know how, proactively seek out the answers. Because even if we fall on our face, we're going to learn something from it. And we're going to be farther ahead because we tried. You know, I'm, I, am I always in a great frame of mind? No way, not even, <laughs> but, but I do know, and I have be- developed a very strong mental habit about the fact that every moment I have a choice to shift my approach. I have a choice to shift my perspective on any given challenge, um, and create a different result. My lens, 
Um, you know, we're all at choice as far as the way we take on challenges. And for me, I'm always going to find a way to go into and through whatever life brings me. And I learned it good and hard this year. And for others, um, you know, I mean, I can only control me. So I'll work to encourage everyone else to be able to be the best that they can be at any given moment and to face challenges head on, learn new things, fall on their face and, and, and create great stuff in their life. Well, Allison, as we start wrapping up our conversation, do you have any other final suggestions for business leaders out there that are looking to achieve more either for themselves or for their organizations? I want to underscore this. I mean, look, again, we spend so much time in business, you know, you know, hammering the hard metrics. But I, I, I think it's just so important that if we, we can't take the soft skills for granted, these are the skills that get us to the hard metrics. Um, these are the skills that invigorate our employees to care that our, you know, our customers want from us in order to feel like we care about them. Truly investing time. And it doesn't even have to be investing money. It has to be investing time, though. So there's a little money um, involved in listening to understand what value means to each and every one of our clients, our customers, our employees, our friends, our family, our communities. That's the answer. That's the answer. And when we say the words, but we apply no action, and I have seen this, oftentimes we say the words, but we do not act on those words. We fool nobody when we do that. You, you can have these amazing products. And it's funny that I, I have been talking about this for years. You can have outstanding products and you can have amazing things to offer. But if you don't put caring about the people first, you're never going to maximize results. I'll, I'll, I'll just close because I was thinking about this the other day. I, uh, when I was in Cornell's, I don't remember if it was the diversity, equity, and inclusion program or in the, the women in leadership program, but it was one of them where I learned about um, a former CEO of the Campbell Soup Company, Doug Conant. Uh, he was about 10 years in the company in the early 2000s. And I learned about his outstanding practices around employee engagement and inclusion. Um, and he really did some very unusual things. And I would encourage any executive out there who's interested in really kind of shifting gears as far as how we create amazing employee engagement, customer engagement to create better metrics as a company to look up Doug Conant and the work that he did at Campbell Soup Company because um, he truly and dramatically improved company performance by focusing first on the value of each and every person working in his company. Um, so just something that was on my mind the other day, and I thought I would just add that to close this out. Oh, great advice. And uh want to really thank you again, Allison, for coming, sharing your story, being very open and sharing your personal story, but also giving us just a glimpse into some important lessons in life and leadership. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate the time. And if anybody out there is listening and interested in engaging, uh, I am at thelensleadership.com and I can be found there or on LinkedIn.
And a reminder to all of you to please continue to give the gift of feedback around Market Impact Insights. Uh, We want to hear what you like, uh, areas that we can continue to improve. You can do that easily. Go out, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the podcast platforms. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.